Welcome to SBC This Week. I'm Brandon Porter. I'm Laura Erlinson. We are sitting in the chairs that are normally filled by Jonathan Howe and Amy Whitfield. A little bit of a change this week, Laura. Yeah, we are not Jonathan Howe and Amy Whitfield, unfortunately. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, SBC This Week is a weekly news roundup from around the Southern Baptist Convention, as well as guest interviews from today's top church leaders. Uh, there have been some changes in the SBC Executive Committee over the last couple of weeks. Jonathan and Amy talked to you about uh, the changes with Willie McLaurin last week, and that led to Jonathan being named the interim president and CEO of the SBC EC, leading to the decision that he and Amy should take a little bit of a break from this podcast. Yes, it's our moment to shine, Brandon. We're <laughs> kind right. of thrown into the lion's den, but here we go. Yep, there you go. Our presenting sponsor for this episode of SBC This Week is The Hill. It's a true life story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill. He grew up in a poor small town in Texas, but young Ricky discovered his extraordinary ability for hitting a baseball. But with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease, the major leagues were just a dream that could never be. Courageously, he risked it all, defying his father's wish to follow in his footsteps to become a pastor. Ricky tried out for a major league scout, and he pushed hard to overcome his disability. He went on to become a baseball phenomenon. The, mov the movie The Hill is based on that. It stars Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn. It is truly an inspirational story about family, faith, and baseball. Don't miss The Hill. It starts on Friday, August the 25th, which is the day that this podcast drops. Yes, I'm actually planning to take my kids to see that movie on that day. I yeah. got a couple of ball players that live at my house. I think they will like that movie. Absolutely. And, you know, Dennis Quaid is no stranger to baseball. That's movies. right. <laughs> That's right. He's been around the bases a few times. So, um, you know, Laura, we, we were talking about in preparation for this SBC This Week program, we were reflecting on some things that this was like. And we yes. both we both have some sim similar memories. We are close in age, and we were reflecting back into the early 1980s <laughs> on that Friday night when on one of our favorite television shows, though you grew up in Florida and I grew up in Georgia, we were both there watching the Dukes of Hazard. Yes, at and the same time, the same moment. And here yeah. comes this blonde-headed guy and this dark-headed guy, and they are not Bo and Luke Duke. No, it is not Tom Wopat and John Schneider. That's right. It's two different guys. That's right. Coy and Vance came to <laughs> fill in <laughs> as Bo and Luke were off pursuing their NASCAR dreams. We feel a little bit like Coy and Vance Coy and here Vance. today. Here we are. Yeah. I always wanted to be Daisy, but I guess I have to be Vance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't play Coy with me. Um, <laughs> so we are going to do the best we can. We thank you for listening. I know Jonathan and Amy are so thankful for the folks who listen along to SBC this week and um, encourage them as they share the information that they've shared for many years. We're thankful for that uh, way that they have served the SBC. Yes, absolutely. They're um just two of the best, mm -hmm. and we respect them and are just have admired them and their work for so long and hope we do it justice here. Absolutely. And so part of what we wanted to share with you just right off the bat is that not only has there been a change in Jonathan's role at the EC and a change in this podcast, but but Jonathan has also uh, proactively taken some steps, and we were right there with him. Uh, Laura serves as the managing editor of Baptist Press, and I serve as the associate VP of Convention News for the executive committee, and that, that part of that role is being the editor of Baptist Press. Um, Jonathan has removed himself from uh, 
his his ability to edit stories, his ability to post stories with Baptist Press. And, you know, Laura, I, I really appreciated that move on Jonathan's behalf. Right, Brandon. Uh, these are things we talk about all the time, protecting the integrity of Baptist Press as we work here in the SBC building and doing what we do to the best of our ability for Southern Baptists, who is our our ultimate boss is Southern Baptists. And so when Jonathan approached us on Friday, they had just announced that he was going to be the interim president and CEO. He brought it up first, which I thought was great, but it was something you and I had already talked about many times of how to protect that integrity. And so we immediately agreed that that was the right call. And we took those steps uh, right away to change his credentials in the site and make that transition. Well, in that vein, though, we want to continue on and share with you some of the top stories that, that we've covered this week at Baptist Press so that you're in the new, in the know of what's happened here and in, in the SBC during this week. Um, as this podcast drops on Friday, the 25th of August, Sunday, the 27th of August is Global Hunger Sunday on the SBC calendar. And so, Laura, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Brandon, uh, Southern Baptists have been fighting global hunger really all along, but formally since the inception of the World Hunger Fund all the way back in 1978. Uh, Jason Cox is sort of overseeing it now because it's part of Send Relief, and he's the vice president for the international side of Send Relief. And he says, though we've been in the game now for these 40-something years, we are right now facing the greatest global hunger crisis Mm. in that time. Uh, COVID really, uh, global hunger had started to decline and had been on the decline for several years, but COVID really changed that and it has risen dramatically in the past two or three years. Du- uh, doubled since doubled. 2020, 150 right? 150 million people now are considered hungry or food insecure. At least a third of those even facing possible starvation, many of those children. And so Send Relief is, is on the ground all around the world with initiatives like job skills and job training. Uh, livestock feed distribution, sustainable farming, clean water projects, uh, things like that to get people uh, relief and to teach them how to grow their own food or how to clean their water so they, that they don't face that anymore. And it's, but it's still a problem. And so this Sunday is the Sunday that we talk about it as Southern Baptists. Mm. And the Sunday, we would encourage you to do that at your church and direct people to the Send Relief resources and website and things that are available there. Yeah, so absolutely. You you and, and your church, you can find more information at the Baptist Press page and, and read the story there, or you can go find information at sendrelief.com. Uh, speaking of Send Relief, uh, earlier this week, Bryant Wright, the president of Send Relief, visited Hawaii. Specifically, he visited Maui and was there in the area where uh, so many folks lost their lives and the devastation is so great from the wildfires week before last. Yeah, one of the people he met with there, he met with several pastors and others there on the ground in Maui. One of those was Pastor Jay Haynes of Kahului Baptist Church. And the pastor said, we're not going back to normal. Hmm. He said, there's really no such thing as going back to normal after something like this. There's no way to go forward just acting like everything's fine and nothing happened. His church is one of those that has been delivering the supplies into Lahaina, the, the, the town that was just wiped out, yeah. essentially. Um, him and many others, but his church has been very instrumental in doing that. And, and Wright said a lot of the pastors he met with were young. There are these young pastors who don't maybe don't have any experience leading through something like this, mm. and they're trying to lead their churches through one of the most devastating tragedies in U.S. history. So Send Relief is there, of course, helping them. Yeah, uh, a big supply, uh, a 
di- distribution uh, went out earlier this week mm-hmm. of su- supplies, like relief supplies, like goggles and masks and suits that they wear and yeah. all of those things and that kind of relief effort. And so Send Relief has already been sending supplies down there and uh, is, of course, asking for donations and I'm sure volunteers will be needed soon and yeah. all of that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's forthcoming. I, I remember from some stories this week on Good News for Today that, that we talked about how uh, Hawaii Baptist disaster relief workers have been primary and they've been there at first wave responders and folks from the mainland have been shipping items and mm-hmm. uh, the, the Hawaii DR folks are now making preparations for people from the mainland who may want to come over in the coming weeks to help right. um, in that process. Right. It'll take years. Bryant Wright actually told Baptist Press that this week that he... he the recovery is just, it'll be long and hard. Yeah, yeah. So keep praying for those folks. Uh, be generous um, when you have the opportunity to serve and to come alongside and uh, lift them up. Uh, let's keep it in Hawaii, Laura. Uh, some exciting news in Hawaii as they have named their brand new state exec. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's kind of brand new and kind of not. Sort of. Yeah, Craig right. Webb, he's actually been doing the job since January in an interim role. He was the assistant uh, interim uh, executive director, and then he became the interim Uh, at the departure of Chris Martin, who left in January to take a job at the International Mission Board. So Craig has been there for a while, has been in Hawaii. He actually spent part of his childhood in Hawaii. So he's very familiar with the people there and the culture. And so and even since the disaster, before this was even announced, he was already leading out and helping in the relief efforts there after the fires. And so this was just so natural. Seemed like when I heard the announcement, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, um, similar news, even though we don't have as many details coming out of Texas um, for some leadership yep, shifts there. there's going to be a new inter, uh, a new executive director at the Baptist General Convention of Texas as well. The, their search team announced that they have finalized a candidate. We mm-hmm. don't know that name yet. That won't be announced until their executive board meets in September. Right. But there is a name. Okay. Well, while we're down deep in the heart of Texas, we have to talk about Southwestern. We do. And they, they kicked off a brand new semester More at the seminary. More leadership uh, announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. David Dockery, of course, has been the president now for a while, a few months, but he was officially installed earlier this week. Uh, he is in his 40th year mm. of service wow. in Christian higher education, and he now is the 10th president of Southwestern. Yeah. And uh, he's no stranger to Christian higher education, and he's no stranger to Southwestern. He got his Master of Divinity there in 1981. And here in Tennessee, we know him for his longtime tenure, very successful tenure at Union University. And then after that, he went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He was there for five years, and he's been at Southwestern since 2019. Once again, one of those announcements that you're like, yep. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Very faithful, very humble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful time there for him to take over the the lead reins in in at Southwestern. Um, also, uh, just a quick tidbit of news out of Southwestern: they finalized their sale of the Carroll Park apartments to the city of Fort Worth this week. Yeah, big number. Um, so that was that'll be good for the university and good for the city of Fort Worth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, while we we're talking about numbers, another number to celebrate was um, a tenth anniversary of Jen Send. And so uh, we had a, had a feature on that this week at Baptist Press and um, a lot of excitement about the ministry that's been done there over this first decade of their of their work for the, the gospel of Christ. Yeah, 10 years. Uh, Steve Turner, who's the director of Next Gen Mobilization at NAM, he said the, the original idea for Jen Send was 
we want to send students to these uh, send cities and let them experience church planning in that kind of environment, a very immersive environment, and just kind of see where that goes. And it was so successful in the first year. It started with just a handful of students in five cities. And since then, between 2,000 and 2,500 students have participated in Gen Send. And a big chunk of those, more than 20%, indicate a desire to return to the city they served in. Um, so that's that's been exactly what they wanted to see happen with the program. And I actually know some people in my own life that, mm. that did Jensen, and that's exactly what happened to them. It very much determined their future in ministry. And so Turner told Baptist Press, it's kind of like the farm team for mm. church planners and missionaries. And even one of the missionaries, he said, even one of the missionaries that was sent out in New Orleans at the sending celebration at the annual meeting was a former Jensender. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Very encouraging. Yeah. Very encouraging. Well, the next piece that we wanted to share with you is a little bit of inside baseball, I guess. But now we've been a couple of months um, out from New Orleans, from the annual meeting. Uh, the new credentials committee is together. They've met a few times, and this week they, they made the announcement of their leadership. Yes, that's right. Two people have that have served. This is now their second year serving on their credentials committee, uh, are now in leadership on that committee. Jonathan Sams, he is um, a busy guy. He's a cybersecurity consultant hmm. And the director of equipping and community groups for Image Church in Marietta, Georgia. He's the first Asian American to chair an SBC standing committee. And he's a student at Midwestern Seminary. So he, is a he busy has guy. a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Stedman is the vice chair of the committee. She's also a seminary student getting her PhD at New Orleans. And she's the associate director of collegiate ministries for the New Orleans Metro Baptist Association down there. Yeah. So those two will be. Those are important roles there on that credentials committee, more and more important all the time. And so we'll be thinking about them and praying for them in the days ahead. That's good. Well, so, Laura, as we talked about it, those were the the handful of sort of top stories, if you will, that, mm-hmm. that we pulled out from the week. There was also an interesting piece that came to us this week from Lifeway, and we wanted to pass that along and just, just highlight that. Um, it was a little surprising to mm-hmm. me, to be honest. Um, it deals with the prosperity gospel and the way that evangelicals view um, just their, their view of God's blessing and God's promises when it comes to blessing. And so, so talk a little bit about that story. Yeah, not just the, sh- the share of people who have certain views, but the fact that those views have grown in yeah. the past uh, mm-hmm. six years since they did the, a similar study in 2017. The, the share of people who believe that God will bless them if they give more money to their church, or they say their church teaches that, mm-hmm. that, their God, that God will bless them if they give more. That, that has gone up from 24% strongly agreeing to 38% strongly agreeing, 52% overall agree. Mm. And so that was just pretty surprising. Scott McConnell at Lifeway, who's the executive director of Lifeway Research, mm-hmm. says that maybe people have taken a financial hit from inflation mm. and from COVID, yeah. and that it triggered feelings of guilt guilt, maybe because they're not serving God as much as they used to, or he's trying to figure out why this sort of growth in the the beliefs of, of prosperity type gospel teaching. Uh, it was just kind of an interesting development. I don't yeah. know. I thought it was interesting. It said belief that God wants to uh, people to prosper financially is more common in some religious settings than others. Mm-hmm. And it pointed specifically to the Methodist uh, church. So mm-hmm. those, those were yeah. the Methodists. 90, that was interesting. 93% of those surveyed connected that together. Um, so that that was really yeah, and younger younger churchgoers yeah. too affirm yeah. prosperity gospel beliefs. Uh, those between eighteen and thirty four 
63% of them yeah. uh, affirm that their church teaches that if they give more money to the church, God will bless them. Hmm. And that's just interesting. Well, I found, I found a humbling statement that McConnell made in the piece was uh, this. Pursuing holiness was never designed by God to be a plan for financial riches. The size of one's finances is not the measure of anyone's service to God nor relationship with him. Mm. And um, in reading through this story, and then I, I used it in uh, Good News for Today, that, that our radio program, a newscast that goes out with Baptist Press, and um, I, I thought about that sentence as I drove home on the day that, that I uh, recorded that and then have thought about that sentence over and over and over, um, mm-hmm. just about just about what, what God desires for us in in his his desire for us to be holy, to be like Christ. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, when we come back, we're going to hear from President Bart Barber. Um, he is a busy man, and we were able to grab him for just a few moments this week and talk to him about dealing with some of the change, transition, turmoil even um, in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Um, if you if you know Dr. Barber at all, you know that he has a, a, a historical perspective that is very helpful when it comes to Southern Baptist life. And so uh, we, we want to share that interview with you. And so stay with us. Um, we'll have Dr. Barber with us when we come back on SBC this week. President Barber, thanks for joining us for this, uh, just a few minutes with you on SBC this week. As you know, that there's there's been a lot of a lot of ups and downs in the SBC over the last few years. Uh, talk a little bit about your perspective and how, how do you stay encouraged when we face these hills and valleys? Well, Brandon, let me say, first of all, how thankful I am to be on this podcast, which uh, I listen every week. And that was true before I was ever thinking about serving in any way with the SBC as an officer. Um, and I think uh, the podcast itself really answers that question a little bit because uh, alongside uh, news that's disappointing that we get sometimes on this podcast, we also have uh, week after week a reflection of good things that are happening in the SBC right now and also stories from the history of the Southern Baptist Convention that remind us about good things that have happened in the past. Um, Really, uh, most Southern Baptists are going to go into their churches this Sunday unaware of things that are happening at the national level in the SBC, but everyone who goes into their church is going to go into their church aware of the fact that Jesus is alive and moving in their church, moving in their hearts. We're going to baptize people this Sunday. We're going to see people join our churches this Sunday. Uh, we've got people in our church who, in addition to those things, are, um, are, are working through calls to ministry, calls to missions. And those things are all signs that, uh, that, that Jesus is alive, that he's at work in our body of churches. And I just tell you, from my perspective, uh, when you know that that's true, when you know that God has not written Ichabod over the doors of the churches of the SBC, then even destructive things that happen around us, even when we feel things being torn down, I'll tell you why that encourages me. Uh, It's because Uh, The difference between Satan and the Lord, uh, you know, Satan, we're told, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's destructive. He he tears things down. 
but when I reflect on, say, the book of Habakkuk is another place where God, where we hear about things being torn down. But this time it's not Satan. It's God tearing things down uh, because they need to be torn down, because there's uh, rebellion or unrighteousness that's going on. But when God tears things down, he doesn't tear things down just to tear things down. The message of Habakkuk is he tears things down in order to build something better that comes back up at the end of it. And I'm just confident that God, even when we go through times of demolition, that God um, that God is demolishing in order to build and that we can place our hope in him for what future things are coming. Hmm. Uh, you are someone who has a lot of Southern Baptist perspective, um, historical perspective. Um, as you've processed through the last few uh, weeks, months, um, what, what's come to your mind um, from a historical perspective? Maybe a place where we could look back in Southern Baptist history and say, this is a place where we can see that God did tear down, but then he built back and and the mission continued forward in maybe even a stronger way? What a great question. What a timely question for me. Uh, I received while I was out of town in my office uh, a big box that I haven't even opened yet because I haven't been home to open it yet. But in that box is a portrait that, uh, that they sent to me from New Orleans, Baptist Community Ministries in New Orleans, uh, had a portrait of a guy named Frank Tripp, T-R-I-P-P, Frank Tripp, uh, who was a Baptist pastor from St. Charles, Missouri. And uh, back in the time frame where we were just starting the cooperative program, in the first few years of the cooperative program, our convention went through embezzlement scandals at both the Foreign Mission Board and the Home Mission Board. And a guy named Clinton Carnes uh, from the Home Mission Board embezzled. In fact, I think this was uh, recently featured on this podcast, uh, that he embezzled uh, what would be the equivalent of several million dollars today uh, from the Home Mission Board. It was a terribly low time because it happened right in the middle of the early days of the Great Depression. And so we were hurting financially already. And then we had this huge scandal uh, to, to hit of embezzlement at, at both of our mission boards. Southern Baptists were so discouraged. Uh, but this one pastor, Frank Tripp, he decided that, um, that he was absolutely not going to let the Southern Baptist Convention and the cooperative program die under his watch. And so his church gave him the freedom to go around all over the country and to encourage uh, Southern Baptists to give. He had a, a day he set aside called Baptist Honor Day. And he encouraged Southern Baptists to come up with $1 that they could give uh, to try to help uh, restore what had happened with this embezzlement scandal and to help carry the work of the convention forward. And, um, and that succeeded. Southern Baptists, in a dark moment, we pulled together. And remember, we weren't used to doing this. It was the beginning of the cooperative program, really. And we pulled together, and we righted this wrong. We got over this embarrassment and this scandal, 
by pulling together and helping the Southern Baptists move forward. And it actually became a great start to the cooperative program because it was a time when we all rallied together and felt the spirit of cooperation in a way that we never had before. And Frank Tripp eventually wound up in New Orleans as the head of the Southern Baptist Hospital in New Orleans. That's why Baptist Community Ministries had this portrait. And I told that story to Edmund Houston down there, and he knew that I loved what Frank Tripp had done. And so he sent me their portrait that they had hanging on the wall of Frank Tripp. And so I just think that we're in a moment like that, Brandon. I think that we're in a moment where God's going to raise up some people like Frank Tripp who are going to rally Southern Baptists in a way that we haven't seen in years, that we can shake all of this off, do the right thing in terms of transparency for our entities and for helping people who've been hurt and 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 move forward stronger and more committed to what we're doing together than we ha- ever have been before. Hmm. I understand what you, what you said earlier, you know, that, that the typical Southern Baptist who shows up at a Southern Baptist church this week, this is not the front of mind issue for them. But there are many others and those who are listening to this podcast who that they do care and that they want to do something. What should they do? I mean, you, you've just given a great example of one Southern Baptist and what he did decades ago. What should Southern Baptists do today? Well, certainly uh, one thing that we can do is pray for all of the people who are leading in the SBC. Um, one of the things that we've seen is how failures of our leaders can really make cooperation difficult for our churches. Uh, But have we been faithful to pray for them along the way, that God would not lead them into temptation, that he would give them strength uh, to pray? Because these are brothers and sisters in Christ who are human, just like we are. And so I would hope that uh, everyone who's tempted to criticize would look down in their hearts and ask themselves, have I been praying for these people, Uh, that God would defend them from temptation? So I think we could all do, we could have a renewed commitment to praying for the people who are serving the SBC. I think we could have a renewed commitment to encouraging people who are serving and people who are leading in the SBC. And I think also we have an opportunity, uh, those who are serving as trustees and in positions like that. I think every time we have something uh, bad happen, we have an opportunity to to take a look at our procedures and figure out ways to protect against threats that we hadn't thought about before. Um, I, I'll say, I'll say this lastly, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people down through the years and I've said this as well, that we need to try to make sure that our trustee system works. It's important for us to understand that sometimes for our trustee system to work, it looks just like this. Uh, the trustee system, if the trustee system works, that doesn't mean that it's always only peaceful. Sometimes the reason we have trustees is for them to find things that are wrong. And sometimes the trustee system working means uh, that we have to confront some things that are uh, bad or difficult and, um, and, and do so even if it's an embarrassment 
but to do that to get through to the other side. So I would just say for those Southern Baptists who are serving as trustees, um, your, your job is important. And um, even if you have to lead through a, a, a moment that is stormy and difficult, be courageous and do your duty. And if you do that, God will lead us through that time of storm or controversy into a time that's healthier and better because you've done your job. Hmm. We appreciate you taking some time. I know that your schedule is really tight, and we, we appreciate you getting us in uh, to spend a few minutes with us on SBC this week. Love you guys. Thankful for the podcast. Hang in there. You're doing a great job. Well, we want to thank Dr. Barber for being with us to bring that perspective, that encouraging word, uh, just as we face difficulty and, and turmoil in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, a helpful perspective for us. Uh, Laura Erlinson is back with me. And Laura, before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, uh, we would fall short. We, we would fail Amy Whitfield if we didn't bring in one major thing. And what is That's that right. thing? We got to do it. We got to do a history moment. That's right. So we have it. And we're going to bring it to you here in just a moment. Um, first, though, we want to remind you that the presenting sponsor of SBC this week is The Hill. It's the true life story of a professional baseball player, Ricky Hill, who grew up poor in small town, Texas. Um, he overcame disability. Um, he had a great struggle with his dad, ended up in the major leagues. It makes for an amazing story on the big screen, and it debuts today, Friday, August the 25th, when this podcast drops, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn. It's uh, an inspirational story featuring elements of family, faith, and a baseball miracle. So um, maybe something you want to check out with your family. All right, Laura, here's here's your big opportunity. This is, okay. this is the history moment we've been waiting okay, for. Okay, well, far be it for me to claim the mantle of Amy Whitfield, but I will do my best. So I decided I would go back into the BP archives, as Amy often does, and I didn't know where to begin for this particular week in history. So I thought, what about the year I was born, 1975? So that's the year we did. So this was the Baptist Press issue, August 20th, 1975. The headline, Johnny Cash, Man in Black, Found His Way Back to God. Now, everybody knows the sort of rise and fall and rise again of Johnny Cash, but the interesting thing about this story that makes it worthy of being in Baptist Press and on SBC this week is that the interview takes place immediately after Johnny Cash had done a book signing at the Nashville Baptist Bookstore in 1975. He had just released his autobiography, Man in Black, 1975, and he did a book signing at the bookstore, and the Baptist Press features editor chased him down, I guess, in the parking lot and did an interview with Johnny Cash on August 20th of that year. And it's a great story, and he talks about how important it is to be involved in a local church, about how what all the Lord has, was doing in his life. And it's it was that was the first story that I came across when I was looking for a history moment. And you and I are both huge Johnny Cash fans. And so I thought, well, that's that was easy. That was the one, right? Absolutely. There. So he, of course, was a member at First Baptist Church of Hendersonville right. for that's many right. years. Later in his life, yeah, that's where his funeral was. In fact, that was an early. I've been at Baptist Press a long time. That was one of the first big news 
stories that we covered when I after I came here was his death and funeral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this particular book that, that, that the story's about, um, I can remember in the church library at Smith's Grove Baptist Church in Smith's Grove, Kentucky, when I was the pastor there, I was in the library by myself one day, and there was this book called A Man in Black by Johnny Cash. And I'll have to admit, at first, I thought, what in the world is a book by Johnny Cash doing in the church <laughs> library? <laughs> but I pulled it down, and I read it. And I really enjoyed it, and and it has to do a lot. The timing coincides with a gospel project that he did. He and June went to Israel and recorded mm-hmm. a video yes. and a record. I've and, seen and all, all of that. this. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he's a good writer. Absolutely, absolutely. And not I, just a songwriter. I was going to say he's, he's a pretty a good, good songwriter yeah. too. So anyway, well, we're so glad that that you've joined us and and stayed with us especially stayed with us for this maiden voyage um, of SBC this week. Uh, Jonathan and Amy, are, they're, they're, just, they're just on hiatus, hiatus right? That's right. Like, like Bo That's and Luke right. were when they, went to, yeah. when they went to pursue those NASCAR <laughs> dreams. So, so Coy and Vance weren't around forever. Most likely Brandon and Laura won't be around forever. Yes. Uncle Jesse's going to kick us out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Lost sheep to shepherd. So <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to SBC this week. 